0: Hey, my friends, you're listening to Halfway There, episode number 182, Jennifer Eichenhorst and an Accidental Hope. Grab some Kleenex. This one's a tearjerker. <laughs> Well, hey friends, welcome to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I am your host, Eric Nevins. Thanks so much for being here. You have a lot of Christian podcast choices. You downloaded this one. I'm glad that you have. We've got a great story for you today. Our guest, she's a math teacher. She's uh, an aspiring author and a podcaster, which is how we met. Just as has a ministry uh, that she's starting called Accidental Hope whose mission is to educate, find research, and then offer relief from serious accidents involving fatality. That's a part of her story. We're going to go in there today. Our guest is Jennifer Eichenhorst. Jennifer, welcome to Halfway There.
1: Hi. Thank you, Eric. I'm so glad that you invited me.
0: I am glad to have glad you to here. as well. We have mutual friends. and I think you're in Christian Podcasters Association as well, um, so we bring that up every once in a while if you guys are podcasters and uh, Your Christians uh, come to Christian Podcasters Association on Facebook. Join um, us. Yeah, that's it's a great place. We're having a good time and helping each other. Um, but you have an amazing story, and I can't wait to hear um, to hear about it. Uh, so tell us a little bit about who you are and where you have you are now. Um, I gave just that brief introduction, so give us a little more.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well. Um. So I am a middle school math teacher. I teach eighth grade math. I am married to my husband who was a high school sweetheart for 18 years. He is a coach, like all sport coach. So from football to weightlifting, he does it all. Um, we have four children ages 17 to seven, um, stay pretty busy with, with life. I'm a grad student right now, so I'm furthering my education and, you know, uh, yeah, so I juggle a lot of things and, and podcasters. So I've had yeah. my show now for a year.
0: Yeah, and you have a blog too?
1: I do have a blog. It's, um, I don't know what you want me to say. Yeah, <laughs> say it. it's at mybeautifullybroken.com. Uh, and it it talks a little bit about all kinds of things from teaching, you know, uh, the humor and all those things. Uh, it talks about marriage And juggling all these kids, one of them has ADHD, so that's always fun. And then the thing that's unusual would be um, that I also blog about being a caddy, and so I'll explain what that means. A caddy, C-A-D-I, I I did not coin that term, that was coined by Marianne Gray, and it means causing accidental death or injury. Mm. So I speak to that specific audience to help be a resource for people who are having Traumatic accidents.
0: Yeah, and that's a big part of your story, and I'm sure it would be for anybody who goes through something like that. Um, and we're going to hear that story, but I want to kind of set it up first, and I want to know a little more about you and your background. You told me that you uh, grew up in kind of an agnostic home. What? So yeah. So what was that like? And then how did you find Jesus?
1: Um. Well, I'll tell you that I love my parents wholeheartedly they are just the most amazing people and I would never trade my my journey for anything in this entire world so I have a loving supporting mom and dad and sister and we grew up in Dallas Texas so um kind of the city but my my parents were um non-believers my dad would i would say he wouldn't label himself agnostic he just says that if there is a higher being um that he might acknowledge that but that it doesn't have a relationship there wouldn't be any kind of worship um you are you are good you know right from wrong and you should live your life to be a good person that's kind of the philosophy,
0: yeah, sort of the uh, definition of agnostic, I think,
1: right? Right, but he won't, he won't, <laughs>
0: he won't say that, lab- but yeah, you're right,
1: he won't label himself at all. Um, he was raised in the church, he left, um, in college, so he has, you know, a good background of things. And, um, what's interesting is, um, my mom grew up where there was like the Bible beating belt of you know hell and damnation and so she she acknowledges a creator and but doesn't have i think the relationship but both parents are so super supportive i could have chosen any religion faith or non faith and they would have supported and loved me so it was a very open home and in fact my they very much wanted my sister and myself to explore different religions and philosophies and exposed us to everything that they could so that we would make our own decision. And then you have my grandmother. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so every um, Christmas and Easter, you know, we would go to church with her because if we were coming to her home, her granddaughters were going to be there with her at church on Sunday morning. So, you know, we always had that Easter dress or that Christmas dress and we would go to church. Um, But she passed away when I was nine. And, um, so there are, there was so much, you know, I'm still pretty young at that point, but I felt a connection when I was there to where I wanted to know more.
2: Mm.
1: Very much wanted to know more. I remember being really little and being wanting to have a Bible at home, wanting to be like, well, why is it that we only go when we're at Nana's house? I, I remember asking those questions. So as young as like eight and nine I pointed to a church and had my parents take me there mm. and I would get my little sister who was, if I'm eight or nine, she's more like six or seven. I would make us get up and I would ask them to take us and they would drop us off. Can you even imagine that now? <laughs> 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 um, I, and I, to this day, I don't know what type of church it was. I assume it was probably a Baptist church. And then. In Texas, that's reasonable. Yeah. Somewhere around 11, um, they started a bus ministry where the bus would come and pick us up and a bus driver. And I remember learning the Old Testament books of the Bible so I could get my candy, um, you know, learning all the different songs and it just, it just deepened more and more. I wanted to know the Lord and my sister eventually stopped wanting to come with me and I, I couldn't force her to go. Um, so Yeah. Uh, I did, I did find out a long time after that, um, you know, I always would pray, like, why am I so different? Because I did have a very strong, deep, mature relationship with the Lord from just a young age. And um, eventually, my uncle, I met my uncle. And he said that when I was a baby, about six months old, uh, and I'm 30 years old when I get this, Eric. Yeah. 30 years old, I'm talking to my uncle, and I've really only talked to him maybe twice in my life. Um, and I'm talking to him, and when I said, you know, I love the Lord, and, I, and I, I accepted Jesus when I was about, you know, 11 years old and was baptized at 14, and, and he, begins, he begins to just cry on the phone. I'm talking, and he's maybe 50 years old. And he said, I'm just so happy that God answered my prayer. And I said, you know, what are you talking about? He said, well, Jennifer, when you were about six months old, your dad and mom came to visit us over in Florida. And I knew that your dad had left the church and he had turned his back on God and wasn't having any part of it. And I put my hand on your little back while you were sleeping. And I prayed that God would put the people in front of your you know, in your life that, uh, that you would have a relationship with the Lord. And I just wept because I had goosebumps and chills and, and, you know, um, I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, but what? yeah. The Lord answers prayer. That's amazing. Yeah, he
1: does. Yeah. yeah he does. Wow. But Isn't that neat? It was, I mean, and I just listened to my uncle who I, you know, don't have a very good relationship, um, with him, but I just listened and he prayed and he was praising God for that. And that was a testament to him. And because it touched him so deeply, it touched me deeply. And right. I was just like, you know, so anyway.
0: Did that impact your faith? Did that make, your, tr- make you trust God a little more?
1: Oh, yeah. It, it reminded me the importance of standing in the gap. Mm. You know, uh, my husband and I, uh, I don't want to jump around a lot, but so for four years, we worked in a children's home. So I have 50 plus young men that kind of call me somewhere between big sister and mom that I helped, we helped raise. And, you know, when they're in your home and, you know, when we received them, we had a home that was ages 13 to 18. And when they're 18, they age out. And so when you're getting a young man who is, you know, lived on the streets, been in a gang, and he's coming to you at 16 years old and you're telling him there's a God that loves him yeah. and it's going to provide for him and that he doesn't have to steal for his next meal. And you're teach you're trying to undo 16 years of things that have been done to him. Um, you don't, you don't know that you're going to make a difference because that exterior is so tough. And when I had that happen, that conversation, I thought, you know what? God wastes nothing that, Those prayers for, as he did for me as a six month old baby, you know, um, it gave me hope that, you know, the prayers for my boys, um, you know, I may never see the fruit of it. May never see the fruit of it.
0: Yeah. And you, you may not, I've, I have this idea of the ripples of the gospel, right? So one of the things I learned early on doing this podcast was that so many, um, people, that's true for, right? You pray for somebody or you share the gospel and you never see them again, or you're just even, you know, send them in a direction and they find Christ because of that. And you don't know. And, uh, you know, maybe someday in eternity, we will find out. Um, but I have a feeling, you, you know, we kind of have to just trust that to the Lord. And that's, so that's that's kind of part of the, that's, a, that's an interesting part of your story. That's great. Okay, so how did it start to become your own? So it sounds like you already always had this just, Draw to the Lord, um, you know. He was he was calling to you. How that sort of become your own, or how that develop as you as you grew and and uh, you know started to started to get become more mature in the faith.
1: I think. Well, when I was younger, I'll tell you, I had a very um, unhealthy perspective of. I want to say not healthy, but I had created my own philosophies. For example, I remember very much in school learning about evolution and I had taken what I had learned in Bible school you know going that every Sunday because I'm not it's not being reinforced in the home so I was learned to kind of learn and listen and whatever Mm -hmm. story was being presented and the commentary that was being presented to me then you know that's what it was. And then I would have this Bible and, you know, and, know, I don't know, I don't remember exactly how much I would study it, but you know, I had a Bible yeah. to access, you know, and, um, I remember one of the philosophies that when I became a more mature Christian, I thought, Oh, that's so funny. I wonder if God was laughing at me. Um, so I would take, well, like, well, maybe evolution is with uh, Christianity because you know, God could say poof and it's seven days, but really it would. <laughs> and so we have this, um, still evolution process of like, but it was like happening like this and God just really snapped it into being. So I was like crossing philosophies uh-huh. and, and ideas. And I remember, um, uh, even views on like abortion where I remember being a passionate 15 year old saying, well, you know, um, I love the Lord and I love Jesus, but, you know, I'd say it's still a woman's right to choose and, you know, uh, that God's going to bless her no matter what. I would just take different philosophies where, you know, because I was in a very open home, a very pro-choice home of, you know, and I I would take those things like, well, if you're a good person, and and then as I grew older, um, I would just be like, okay, well now I've really picked up the Word of God and I've studied it, and and I can still love how I was raised, but I and I'm very open, and I think I'm pretty liberal Christian to where I just know that God is sovereign and God is love, and you know. I was there, I think, a long time ago because I was raised in the home that I was. There wasn't any kind of condemnation, mm.
2: um,
1: like, this is the word of God, and you better, you know, follow these commandments. I, I wasn't raised in that. So I didn't have that rebellion. I didn't have that to to work through. But how it became more solidified in me was really I I remember I started, you know, praying I remember a youth group a youth minister who shared with like our different strengths and I was a youth leader and I remember feeling like um hospitality was one of my um uh strengths you know I just wanted everyone to feel welcome so I started greeting people in the youth group and um I felt like prayer and um you know, uh, interceding for people was a strength. Mm. So I became a part of the prayer team as a young person, you know, 15, 16. And then I started to see when I would pray for something, I would see things happen and I would feel the light in me and I would feel the Mm. goosebumps and I would feel the, the, the warmth of, of the Holy spirit. And I would be like, yeah, that's, that's real. It's yeah. real to me. And, and so it became where, um, I was kind of like a mama hen to my friends in school. You know, I stayed away from some of the things that they were doing, but I was always there if they needed me, you know? And, uh, yeah. So that's kind of how I think it, it evolved organically. And yeah. I'm not perfect by any means. If, oh, no. if anything, I'm everything, but, I, but
0: I, I should um, start out every interview with, I don't expect you to be perfect. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Like it, cause, no. cause this is, even though we're talking about you, you know, sometimes people get that like, Oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to present myself as being too, you know, be, oh, better no, the testimony
1: is a mile long. It's like which part of my testimony? Like, yeah, oh, right. can you share your testimony? Well, which one?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> which yeah, one and that's them? that's totally <laughs> it, right?
1: Which layer of life? Yeah, that's totally yeah, it. absolutely. Because
0: there there are. I love that. I'm really interested in the idea that you you have some sort of physical sensations with uh with with prayer and with the Holy Spirit. Um, partly because I've been having some of those recently. Which, no, uh, my kidding. one of my friends said to me this week. He said, "What's it going to take for you to stop thinking this is weird?" Right. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't know literally had a one where uh I was praying for this woman, and on Sunday I found out God answered that prayer like
1: mm, whoa praise the Lord
0: yeah, and it was like it was a, the weirdest thing um so anyway um so I'm interested in that for you from your perspective like has that always been part of your of your
1: as long as I can remember. Experience, I, yeah. I remember being really young. And the only reason I know this is because I know which apartment complex we lived in. Um, my parents were lower middle class. Um, you know, my dad was a starving architect. <laughs> and um, my mom was a deli store manager. And... Uh, no, we lived in this certain apartment complex. So I know I had to have been before middle school. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just know that when we, you know, from how we moved and I remember having the Bible open and I, I, I think I was probably modeling something I saw in church. And, but I had my little sister and stuffed animals and I was having church. <laughs> and so I was little, I mean, I'm thinking yeah. nine or 10 and, uh, I, I prayed, and I remember distinctly asking God to just come and give me a verse. Come and give me a verse that I needed, because I don't know the And I, I opened the Bible, and um, whatever it was that I had asked Him about, there right in front of me was a verse that, I, that actually kind of answered my question. Or I was able to read it and interpret it, and I was like, oh! <gasps> I didn't even know that was there, you know? And, and I just remember being just shocked and, and like, no way it worked. God worked, you know, and just on fire. I wouldn't tell everybody about, like I prayed and, and all of a sudden I just, I found this verse. I didn't even know it was there. And, and being just innocent and excited, you know, to where I saw that. And, yeah. um, I think that kind of helped, but, You know, I'm never gonna get tired of those awe moments like you just said. Yeah. Those moments where you're like, I felt something different. I felt the heat between my hands. I felt I felt dizzy. I felt but not dizzy. I felt this feeling when I when I just really sit and pray. And and there's times where I don't feel that intensity where I feel distant from the Lord and I can be like, Lord, what where where is that? Where is that flow? Where mm-hmm. is that place? You know, and it's usually with my head getting yeah. too
0: much. Yeah, head. I think sometimes it's that way too because we we can't depend on the experience; it has to be on him, right? And it has to be faith. You eventually, you discovered a gift for teaching. Sounds like
1: it did, you enjoy
0: yeah. that. So how that? I think that I was always
1: up? a teacher. I was playing teaching with a school with my my little sister and my stuffed animals way before i knew that that was what i was going to be for a long time i actually wanted to be a lawyer for a while wanted to speak up for i remember that passionate 15 year old um wanted to be a lawyer loved to argue loved to argue with my dad about theological stuff too mm-hmm. um i went to school for social work and teaching and decided on teaching
0: gotcha okay so i just
1: knew i wanted to help people
0: yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay, um, so let's talk about, so the the next thing that I like to ask about is always um, the darkness of the soul. Like, so to, have you had a time when, so you mentioned earlier, sometimes it feels like God's distant and usually that's in your head, but so tell us, tell us that story.
1: Say, well, there were times, I think, um, before we go into the accident, I mean, uh, when I allowed myself to get involved into sin. So I mentioned mm. uh, in a conversation that we had in that Christian podcast group, um, you may have seen it, but when I was 17 and a leader within my church, another leader within the church, um, I want to say take advantage of me, sort of. Mm. Um, oh, no. Yeah. Um, it's okay. Um, it's okay because God's brought me through it, but Um, you know, I lost my innocence and, uh, began to lie and suddenly it was a very abusive relationship and I felt distant and I didn't even recognize myself in a very quick amount of time. And when I decided to, what it really was, was this, we opened a door, we allowed sin in and it just began to grow and, and I felt distant, didn't know who I was, um, and then when I repented of that and changed that relationship, I, I I cried out and wanted I wanted to go back to where I was before. And I realized then at seventeen I wasn't gonna be the person I was before that relationship. But I was going to now have a responsibility to carry it forward and and to eventually talk about that with other youth and and you know, um make it a part of being a better person, a more compassionate person to someone who's living in a lifestyle that, um, that may be causing pain in their life, you know? Um, so I think when you're distant, those distances happen regularly, but whenever I start to feel it, I recognize it now. Like what have I added to my plate that I Mm. shouldn't have? What? what sin in my life is weighing me down because it wrestles with your spirit. If you are connected to the Lord and you're living in something that you shouldn't, it's going to cause you anxiety. It's going to cause you to have that distance. If there's an elephant in the room that you're not talking about with this relationship that you have with God, then that's going to cause that, that tension, that weird feeling that you have. So I try to recognize the recognize those pretty quickly, but the accident in
0: itself okay. well uh, hold on hold on, hold on. Game. We'll, we'll get there yeah we'll okay we'll get there cuz i didn't know this was coming so oh, okay uh, which is okay that's all right yeah. i i want to talk about it. uh so that's really interesting so you, did that you said it changed your you know took some of your innocence but and it changed kind of your relationship with god what i mean you know if this is a leader that's that's not okay right um
1: Another youth leader, as in he was my age. Oh, today.
0: your age. Oh, okay. All right, no, all right.
1: no. He wasn't over. I
0: was concerned. He wasn't
1: over 18. He was 17, just like me. We were just okay. both youth You were leaders. kids. You yeah. were kids. Yeah. No, he totally knew what he was doing. Like he, sure. he manipulated. I, I told him I wasn't ready to date. And he said, well, then will you tutor me in ge- geometry? I, I failed geometry. Will you help me? And I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, see. I don't want to date, but I will totally tutor you. Okay. And so I tutored him in math and that was like his way to then um ease into that. Yeah. And then yeah.
2: Okay. And so what I
1: found out was he had a pattern to this. So later, hindsight, I found out that was his plan. He would seek out innocent girls and find a way in. I gotcha. And yeah, work towards everything he could do to take their virginity. I uh-huh. mean that and then he would tell you. Yeah, I planned this. I lied oh, to you. Oh, okay. Yeah, just to be mean. Yeah, so
0: that's kind of a kind of a little. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, so that. Sorry. That, I'm
1: glad we cleared that up. Me too. No, no, he was partly. not like an adult youth leader. Okay. He was another teenage boy. Perfect. My age.
0: Perfect. Yeah. I mean, not perfect, but you know what I mean. So, yeah. the, uh, yes, thank you for clarifying that. So that was – because I was a little concerned. I was like, oh, man, how did you know about it. No, no,
1: Cause, no, no. Because
0: that's going around right now. We're finding out about some stuff like that happening. Oh, I which believe is, wholeheartedly some bad. of that
1: stuff, but yeah. And, yeah. And I was ashamed to talk about it. I didn't – I actually wouldn't even tell my parents because um, I was so afraid that mm. they would – see Christians as hypocrites yeah I would be giving evidence to the things that my dad would say when we were having those debates and and I it broke me where I was lying to myself I was lying to my family I was lying to the world still trying to maintain this um reputation of being that mama bear that good girl Mm -hmm. it was horrible and um then when I couldn't you know keep that facade up anymore um, some real healing happened and it was good it was hard but yeah, it was how, really good.
0: how did that happen
1: um, I think um, I mean I lost a lot of weight to where my parents were starting to get concerned about taking me to the doctor for maybe anorexia mm. um, my friends would ask me things like where did you get that bruise from and I would have to say I got it from cheerleading Um, I broke, when I broke it off, I knew I had to make steps. So so this is like a 17 year old girl who I was like, okay, he knows where I work. I'm going to plan to quit this job and already have another job lined up. You know, I, thankfully we didn't go to the same school. I, I had already planned to not go to church anymore. And I had to have all these very strategic plans to leave this relationship. And, uh, you know, and I did, I, I cried out to the Lord. I was like, Lord, I don't even know who I am anymore. I didn't want to look at myself mm-hmm. in the mirror. Um, I was lying all the time and, and I just had to ask for strength. I had to ask for help. And I, I really just relied on him because I was so afraid to tell anyone the truth.
0: Yeah. Uh, so did you eventually like, did you end up having to,
1: um, so at, Um, When I started dating my now husband, um, I remember, I think we had been dating about six weeks and, you know, I kind of flinched when he did something and he was like, did you think I was going to hit you? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't, you know, and he's like, what, what happened to you? And I just cried and confessed these things that happened in my previous relationship from my youth group. Yeah. Boyfriend. And, um, he was like, you, you have to tell someone. And so it wasn't until I was 19 that I went to the police. Um, and mainly because the Lord brought another person into my life. I was at work one day and this girl came walking in and she's like, you look really familiar. And I was like, Oh, I don't know you. And what we what I found out was she was the girlfriend after me. Oh wow. And the boyfriend had kept pictures of me and would like show her me. Um, again, he was just mean. It
0: is mean, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um and she's like, No, I I know who you are because you dated so and so. And I was like, in my face. And she was looking at me and I worked at Bath and Body Works, you know, so there I am with the lotions and (laughs) caught off guard. All the smelly stuff. And she said, Can I ask you a question? Did he ever hurt you? And my, my heart dropped and I, and I said, yes, he did. And we stood there and cried. I held this other girl, you know, and I decided that I had to tell somebody because it was, it was just time. It was time. So I went to the police and I, and I said, you know, I have no proof of this, but I want there to be a record somewhere. And, um, Yeah. So I did tell my parents and I apologized and I repented and I said, I would just, you know, and, you know, they, they said they had their suspicions, but of course I was ready to go to the grave with that. Again, there was just so much lies. One lie would turn into another lie and, and then you didn't want to disappoint them. You didn't want them to be ashamed. Um, yeah.
0: How does God factor into all that?
1: God was, um, God made me realize then that it's not about—it really was that humans are going to disappoint you. Mm. Um, That I really could only trust and know the relationship with Him. That it's not about the building of the church. It's not about the people who show up every day. It's not about the people who were raised in the church because He was—his parents were elders in that church that we went to. Um, That it has nothing to do with that. People will disappoint you. The church is just a building. The people who show up, you can't necessarily trust. It is really, truly about a relationship that you know in your heart with Him. And when I read that Bible, I ask for God's Holy Spirit to minister to me. I don't take the commentary of whatever pastor we're going to. I take I take it with a very mm. lighthearted. I don't look and put them on a pedestal. I just really think that that time helped me to realize it was not God that was my enemy and even that young man um he was not the enemy it was the sin in his life that was the enemy i had to realize yeah. that because i was like you know there was really good parts about that person and god still loved him even though he would do things like hold my wrists really tight and want to know where i was you know um that came from a place that was separate even from who God made him to be. And I uh, I kind of realized that, and mm. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I survived that. I'm grateful that um, I have a new, um, I see people in these different situations in a new light that I don't pass judgment on them or that one girl that keeps going back into the abusive relationship. Now I just, okay, I have a heart of compassion. I get it. Okay, I'm gonna pray against that stronghold.
0: Fill in the gap between here and the accident for us, and then tell us that story. Because we're we're this has been great. We're having a great conversation, but we're we're running out of time. So I don't oh, want to no. okay, do it so justice. So
1: we've had um. So it's been three years. You know um. So I live in Waco now. I'm not in the city where I had my accident. Um, we refer to the accident because it was the. I can only imagine the most painful thing I'm ever going to live through. Um, It was on a very normal day. And um, I'll just say that I was a prideful uh, person, that I was an excellent driver. I pride myself on excellent driving, defensive driving, never had a ticket, never had a wreck, you know. um, And on a very normal day, I pulled out in front of a motorcyclist in October of 2016, and my mistake cost another man his life. And he was um, an innocent person, a veteran, a father, a son, um, a brother. um, You know, he had an ex-wife. And, you know, the, the part that he had children Mm. really tears me up to this day he didn't deserve that he didn't deserve to um to have that situation happen to him and it's the the greatest um regret I mean I don't know I I don't know that I would change anything of that day either because I Mm. I really didn't intend for that to happen I didn't see him and uh the regret is I feel like if I had just looked one more time. If yeah. I had you know you know, yep. if I had not been complacent, I, I tell people this, I wasn't distracted, but I was complacent. It was a very quiet country road and I just felt safe. I felt safe. No one's coming over that hill. It's quiet, it's dark, it's late, you know. Um I don't see anybody, there's no light. And I did not treat that intersection like I would, you know downtown Dallas or rush hour traffic. I didn't treat that quiet country road in the same way. And that will be the greatest regret of my life that I didn't. Um, so, so I had, I had a, an accident that involved fatality um, my girls were in the car with me. Um, I called 911. So I was the first on the scene. I did everything that they uh, walked me through to try and help him give every chance he he could have and um he passed away two days later from uh mm. brain injury
0: yeah so obviously that's life-altering in some ways in lots of ways probably
1: lots of way every okay. every every possible way you can imagine life altered that day
0: yeah what um how did how did you go through that and how how was god was he present with you or was he did he seem far away or how, what happened during that period?
1: He felt, um, very close. I mean, all I could do was pray. I mean, mm. pray without ceasing became very real. You, uh, I mean, even on the nine hundred and eleven tape, you hear me praying. Um, I can't tell you what I said, but I was praying and I was asking people to pray with me, um, I just held his hand and prayed. Um, I think he was very much present. I was very much angry because God did not answer my prayer the way I wanted him to. Yeah. Yeah. And for the first time in my life, I doubted that God was good. You know, I had been through the things with, you know, as a teenager and see God come through and how, you know, he healed you know, me internally and how he could use that as a part of my ministry and my testimony. And I trusted that. My daughters have a genetic disorder um, called cranial synostosis and Chiari malformation. So we have been through brain surgeries and tumors and syrinxes and hospital stays and specialists. And I've had to sign more than one time. I understand that this procedure could result in death or, par- you know, paralyzation for my For my girls, I had never doubted the goodness of God. Wow. But in that moment, when he passed away, I doubted the goodness of God. I still knew he was real because I knew that he was real. And that made me more angry. I knew. He could have Hmm. healed him. I knew he could have changed my circumstances. He could have made me have a flat tire. Could have made me go to the restroom. He could have enabled me to see him. He could have changed the directory. He could have carried his, his motorcycle to that grass patch right there next to him. I mean, I knew that he was real. And I was angry. And I doubted the goodness of God in that for a while. Um, so, uh, but I was still praying to him. I couldn't read my Bible for a long time. So I would have, um, the Bible app read to me. I still clung to scriptures, um, still people praying over me, but I was in a very, very dark place Mm. and I could not imagine life so dark and, I even though I knew truth, like my entire identity of what I thought was a pretty healthy identity, um, was shattered. Yeah. Am I am I ever going to really be a good person now that I have caused someone's else's death?
0: Yeah, that's a huge question, right? Mm-hmm. How, how do you am get I killer? That? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do I have a victim? Um, is it okay to love and cherish my children when he doesn't have that option? Is it okay to say I'm forgiven because I can't ask him? Mm. I can't ask. I can't ask the man for forgiveness for pulling out in front of him. Yeah. Is it okay to to move on? when his children might be in a different place in their grief, is that okay? I mean, there's so, there's so many layers to that. Uh, it, it's actually, I believe wholeheartedly that this is one of the most complex human situations is accidental death. And I say that because I thought I was crazy and then I was ashamed and afraid to tell anyone how crazy I thought I was. I went from a very normal person who had mild anxiety maybe before a procedure for my girls, you know, mm-hmm. to suicidal ideation wow. within a blink of an eye. Um, you know, I never studied PTSD really, you know. um. But but I'll tell you this. I don't know how much time we have, but I'll tell you, I, I realized who my enemy was. Those truths that I had learned from the different stages of life, they were in there. They might have been buried deep, and I was in a deep, deep cave, but they were still in there. And the truths eventually, I started to get a more... Um, Kind of a footing mm-hmm. when I decided to that I wasn't gonna succumb to my symptoms and my depression and I decided I wanted to fight to live.
0: What what um, what brought you to that? Like what made you go no?
1: Um, well, there's a couple things. The the major one is I just wanted to sleep, but I was so afraid to sleep. Um, because You're afraid to go to sleep because you have this subconscious where you're reliving a a nightmare over and over again. I mean, it was either I was at the stop sign, waiting, 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 waiting for him to come over that hill. Waiting, 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 looking, looking, looking. And it Mm, was that dream. Or it was the dream of him coming and what happened and my imagination taking in and filling in the spots because I blinked out. I mean, you go into real shock. Yeah. You're in very real psychological shell shock and people are asking you questions. I mean, I'm still being interviewed by a trooper and I've just literally gone through the most traumatic experience of my known life. And there's so many things that we could talk about Hell, that should not happen, but, um, but that's what they do, you know. And, uh, you know, so I wasn't sleeping. I desperately wanted sleep. I wanted sleep to where I couldn't remember. I wanted deep sleep. So then I was like, man, this is why people would be willing to like put themselves under, you know, just to get some sleep because then you have no memory. You have no recollection of what's happening. Um, and in one of those sleep deprived moments, this is probably about five or six weeks I've already been to a counselor I'm not telling my counselor my Christian counselor all the truth because I didn't want to be put into a mental institution I didn't want to cause my family any more hurt or pain and I was just in limbo so again I was trying to hide truth to not disappoint people yeah so God was giving me Mm. this lesson again all over again and I um the, the turning point was I had this memory of I went to the bathroom and I held i I'd already taken a Tylenol PM that night. I'd already taken a melatonin and I had woke up probably about 3 a.m. Same thing, sweating, heart racing, husband's asleep. I'm trying to be quiet. Went to the bathroom and I just cried and I had, had a, bill, a bottle in my hand I was like how many would it take so I could just sleep Mm. and I want to sleep past this pain God and I want to sleep past um, this nightmare like I want to sleep and then it be like I wake up and it's not really real and that really scared me I had that moment of thinking this and holding that bottle and then it's scaring the you know what out of me yeah and I threw the bottle in the basket and put the basket on the top of the shelf. And I went back to bed and I just laid there. I just laid there and watched the shadows and listened to my husband sleep. I just laid there. Um, but the next day when I um, my children were up and my family were all downstairs and they were watching The Great Pumpkin Patch, which was kind of like a tradition in our family. And I walked, I I tried to get them to bring me water and nobody would come and bring me water. I didn't want to get out of bed. And so finally I was like, I'm so thirsty. I decided to go down and get water. And when I did, they were so happy to see me. I was literally gross and a mess and not the person that they knew as their mom Or wife. And they all were so happy to see me.
2: Mm.
1: Come down out of the room. I mean immediately people were like. Moving over on the couch and. Join us mom. Thinking that that's what I came down there for. So I decided to fight. Mm. I decided to get more real with my counselor and asked for additional counselor. I went to a psychologist. I made an appointment with my regular doctor, um, decided to fight, decided. And, and I basically said, I don't, I don't know how to fix this. God, I don't know how to fix this. And I don't know how to change because everything that I knew doesn't seem same. And everything that I thought, like, I don't know how to be happy again. And if I even deserve happiness and I don't know how to laugh or do I even deserve to laugh? And I don't know how to, um, accept love. Do I deserve love? Um, but I said, you know what, I'm going to try, I'm going to, and, and that's really the beginning of it, really, honestly. Um, but at that time I couldn't read my Bible, still couldn't read couldn't read i could not read my brain physically couldn't read
0: um, yeah and i think that's okay right like there's there are right. seasons like that and that happens
1: right so i could listen to the word of god but um the man that i was in the accident with his name happened to be david so when i would hear scripture mm. and there's like a thousand times the name david is mentioned in scripture i mean you can't escape it um And you and Old Testament. So you're just, anyway. um, But I had to make peace with a lot of things. And um, I started with just a list. And so I'll tell you this. if I don't know how much time we have. But guys, if you're in that place, I started with a list. As a teacher, I said, okay, I need a concrete list. And I wrote down, I said, I said, Jennifer, six weeks ago, you loved god and you would have told anyone in the whole world that god was real and god was love so i like literally took a notebook that was by my desk and i wrote god is and then i wrote down all the lists i was like well god forgives god is love god is good he was faithful he answered prayers Mm. i wrote this list And then I divided it down. I put the enemy. What do I know about the enemy? He lies. And he steals. And he kills. And he destroys. And he accuses. And he twists words. And he manipulates. And I would just be like, okay, okay. I've got my (laughs) list. And I would be like, okay, I'm trying to function and i'd be like Mm. i shouldn't eat because david doesn't get to eat and then i'd be like okay um where does that go on my list and i'd be like well god is provider you know and um god you know i'd be like okay that's probably on the other side of the list you know yeah and, um, wow. or if I, you know, any, I had to literally take that list with me everywhere. I had to go back to very concrete thinking. Um, yeah, that's kind of, I mean, I did. And I worked with a doctor, um, you know, uh, got some support, um, got it to where I was kind of manageable with sleeping to where I got to where I was like, yay, four hours of sleep. You know, oh, wow. um, decided to embrace, um, the nightmares, kept a dream journal, um, prayer journal. I'd wake up I and mean, I'd be like, okay, there aren't people stoning me. <laughs> um, and, I mean, I have this dream reoccurring. I literally would dream. I walk outside and people would have, cause at the same time, you've got to realize I'm under a legal in- investigation. Um, I was in a small town, so I felt um, I had been attacked through social media. I had to go into hiding. Um, My story had been put into the paper um, that I ran a stop sign, which was not true. Um, You know, so I was getting people who thought I should be dead. People who wanted to tell me how horrible I was and that I took a good man and a good dad from this world um, and it's okay because they were hurting too those those statements came from a place of hurt, that judgment and mm. God reminded me Jenny. it's not too long ago you would have said the same thing you would have done the same things if this were your husband that just got uh, killed in an accident you need to put yourself in their shoes and uh, yeah.
0: Wow. That's, that would be so hard to do though, right?
1: Right. Because who's right. putting
0: their, themselves in your shoes?
1: No one. Yeah. Nobody wants to be in my shoes. No, nobody wants to be in these shoes. Yeah. It, um, so I do. So here's the good news. Um, I now try to share my story and, and I, and I say, you know, I don't want to trigger anybody. And I usually uh, begin my testimony with apologizing that if this causes any pain to anyone in the room, because everybody knows someone who has been lost in an accident, there's some way you've been touched. And yeah. emo- it's such an emotional charge. Uh, we can have so many predetermined thoughts about this subject area. and um, I've, he- I've heard it called a modern day tragedy. It is a modern day tragedy. And there's not enough research and there's not enough explanation. And the media does exploit like that leakage from whoever linked to the newspaper of my town saying I ran a stop sign. And it doesn't matter that I could be like, no, I stopped, I stopped, you know, it doesn't matter. They're going to read it or they're going to assume it or, you know, um, but so I try to tell people you don't want to be in my shoes and mm-hmm. I try to advocate. I want you to stop and hear this story. And there's so many things that we can't prevent. You know the sun getting in your eyes, the Oh yeah. You know, a tire weather related, you you know, you hide your hydroplane. I mean, there's so many things that we cannot we drive every day. And we have a loaded weapon, my criminal defense attorney. Yeah. I had to hire a criminal defense attorney. My, you know, it's just crazy, but, um, (laughs) you know, I used to laugh and make fun of, yeah, like Christian defense lawyers. And I'd be like, what Christian needs a defense attorney? And then I was there. God is like, you know, I don't know. (laughs) I love, I love God's humor. Um, I'll, I'll sit and be like, okay, God, I get the irony and whatever. But um, I uh, I try to advocate and say I want you to hear my story and I want you to sit and I want you to pray and I want you to not believe you're the exception and I want you to realize if you hear my story and if nothing else, um, I want you to remember who God is and who the enemy is that there are two different things and know in your circumstance that God is good and that God is not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. And the second thing I hope people hear from this is if you're sitting there and you make decisions every day while you're driving and you think you're the exception, well, I can look at this one text. Ah, I can shave while I'm on the way to work. I'm fine. (laughs) I can put on my mascara. I can drive when I'm really tired. I'll make it. I just had two glasses of wine. I ate a whole thing of rolls. I'm good. Um, if you're listening to that and this tugs your heart at any point, I pray that you would take caution of the Holy Spirit and make the the decision today to do everything in your power to not be distracted, to wear your seatbelt, to drive defensively because it's not just about what other people can happen to you, it's what you can also do in the world. And, um, There's things that we can't prevent. There's why we have the term accidents, but there are so many things that we take advantage of every every day. And I, I do not want you to be in my shoes
2: Yeah.
1: because the most of us don't survive. I'll tell you that now that I've learned 100% of people who I've talked to around the world, all ages, all cultures, all religions from Peru to India, to UK, to Canada, they tell me mm. 100% suicidal. 100% of them. Um, 100% of them say trouble sleeping, trouble eating, depression, uh, PTSD with like loud noises, feelings that they don't deserve happiness, feelings of yeah. not feeling worthy, um, feeling like they'll never be forgiven. Uh, it is a destitute place. And um, that's another reason why I share, tell people you're not alone. Um, There's always hope, and you don't want to be like me. So do everything in your power to make those decisions, because when you drive, it is a loaded weapon. And that day, at that stop sign, I was complacent. Not treat that stop sign, I did not inch an inch and inch to see beyond a tree that was blocking my vision. Mm-hmm. And that's why I didn't see the motorcycle headlight. So I can't Wh- take that day back,
0: which is a tough spot anyway. Right. Right. It's like, right. yeah. Um, but- Jennifer. So I think, first of all, thank you for sharing all that. Cause obviously it's emotional and I'm sure, uh, you know, everybody listening is crying as well. And if not, where's your heart? I don't know. But <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, that's good. But so I, I appreciate, I appreciate you sharing all of that and just giving the reminder, Hey, not only, not only be careful because that is so important and you, you don't, you want to make sure you've done everything you can do, but also God is still present. God is still there. And I love that exercise you did to just go, what's God like? What's Satan like? And I'm going to just filter these things through there, uh, whatever that takes. And um, I think that— and I
1: think you can use it for anything. You can. So, like, if you're going through a divorce or you have a son that has just lost home and you don't have any—you're not not sure where your hope is, make, you, make a list. Where's that hope? Yeah. Where's those scriptures that can fill you up with hope? What's the promises that you can go on and—
0: Yeah, uh, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful way of of addressing that. And so what I'd like to do, because I think our episodes already getting a little bit long, because we we got to this a little late, but um, I would love to just maybe have an additional conversation with you, if that's cool. Um, oh. If you're interested in doing that for my Patreon subscribers, I like to throw, throw some stuff out there. So uh, if you're open to that, we can get that scheduled and, and do that soon so that we can do um, dive into that just a little bit further and, and kind of, because you're helping people as well, right? So you have, we talked about, you have um, Accidental Hope, uh, which is a is a ministry that you started, right? So
1: I hope to be a nonprofit someday. Yes.
0: Very good. Um, where Where yeah. is that going? where, can people find it or can they just find you?
1: Yeah, no, you can, um, find accidental hope on Facebook. Um, and then we have a private group that is for people who are believers that have been in these types of situations. Maybe one of your listeners knows someone and they're like, man, I know somebody who once had an accident, killed someone and they were just never the same. Yeah. Maybe get them my information, get them this podcast. Um, because a lot of times it's something you don't talk about, the person just suddenly changes. Um, yeah. Alcoholism, whatever, to cope, you know, obviously. Yeah. So um,
0: I know. You know, one of the thoughts I had, and I, I didn't interject this, but one of the thoughts I had was I can see why somebody might turn to something like alcohol or heroin for that matter, right? So one of those things like I can, we never really know, right? You don't know the pain that somebody's dealing with that causes them to go for that drug. Right. And uh, it's and we easy. we don't
1: talk about it. Yeah,
0: it's easy to judge and be like, "Oh, you're just making bad choices." Oh, come on, that's not how people work at all. They they are covering up something, and unless you care about that, don't don't tell me, <laughs> you know, right. don't judge that person. So, okay. anyway, um, man, there's so many places we could go. I love that, but I'm, I want to just uh, say thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for doing everything that you do. Um, okay, links to your website and to Accidental Hope on Facebook are in the show notes at halfwaytherepodcast.com. And uh, your podcast, is that on your website? Where where can people find and that as well?
1: It should be, yeah. Or, you know, iTunes and Google Play. It's um, Accidental Hope. Okay. And love to, you can hear more of different people's stories and perspectives and. We talk about EMDR and different therapies and PTSD, things like that.
0: Perfect. I'll make sure there's a link to that as well. Jennifer, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you.